0: This is the Douglas Robbins Show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doug's Den of Discussion. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with transformational speaker and writer, Robert Bell. Good morning, sir. How are you?
0: good morning I am doing fantastic I must say thank you so much for having me here
1: oh it is my pleasure man you know I know that you've won many awards and you're're you're, you're well known in, in many countries so um, <laughs> I, I see the book uh, that you have the book blow the lid off reclaim your your uh, stolen creativity increase your income and light let your light shine so Robert is a transformational speaker about creativity is his his specialty. So Robert, maybe explain a little bit about the book.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, Blow the Lid Off is a book that has multiple dimensions to it. Um, Obviously, one, the English expression or the American expression of, you know, blowing the lid off, it's usually um, associated with some sort of conspiracy, unraveling a conspiracy. And the conspiracy that this book is unraveling is that Many of us think that creativity is a special superpower endowed and only those who climb the mountain and hold the crystals and and have that magic power. Well, it's absolutely a conspiracy. Um, every single one of us are, is creative or born with the ability to be creative. So that's what the book is about, just really unraveling that conspiracy that we think creativity is limited to artistic expression and it's only for a special set of people but you can be creative in whatever domain sphere of life that you are even if you're a stay-at-home mom if you're a professional no matter what you are then the other dimension of the book is that the book is about helping people reclaim their stolen creativity and in doing so it helps you to blow the lid off your limitations blow the lid off self-pity blow the lid off self-sabotage self-silencing just blow the lid off of this i can't i can't i can't or oh, i'm scared i'm scared i'm scared and really operate in a realm of i will i will i will i can and i must
1: you know these are topics that are near and dear to me um Because struggled with um, even self-pity, suffering, um, maybe even a self-image, you know, over the years, I'm not good enough to do X, Y, Z, and then working in a field that isn't really a creative field, if you will, a lot more rote, dogmatic, um, you know, eight hours a day. And then you have that other part of life that's trying to burst out. That's trying to say, hey, here I am, I exist, I matter. Um, And so I think the creativity and or even that deeper sense or self-expression gets hidden beneath sort of the, um, the blanket of going through the motions. Often people live on autopilot um, because that's what's being demanded of them. The creativity is not being demanded of them. The self-expression is not being demanded of, that dogmatic sort of more automaton-ish existence is to make a buck. But deep down, there's that piece of us that is hungering to be seen. So what would you recommend people that are, feel like they're struggling to get that part of themselves, that truer part of themselves out into their consciousness, into the world.
0: Oh, dog man, who are you telling about such a situation? I think you just described my life uh, probably 10 years ago. (laughs) Um, One thing you didn't mention at the top of the show, and I'd like to let our listeners know, is that I'm a qualified accountant. I I am still an accountant. So man, oh man, have you just described (laughs) the situation I was in, you know, creativity not being demanded of me, the same thing over and over And I went through the exact same situation where there was this part of me trying to burst out, trying to to get some sort of attention, um, to be listened to, but it just continuously um, been suppressed. I continuously suppressed it. So what I advise people to do is first recognize that your identity, your identity is not just limited to your profession or to your work or to your educational achievements, Right. What I say is that the source of your identity should never be your profession. And so I, I can't, what I did is that I removed trying to find my identity in a profession. Instead, I went into my profession to express my identity. How did I do that? I mean, it, it's a very, I don't want to say difficult, but it's a very, it's an easy task to do, but it's not, it's a simple task to do, but it's not easy. Self-expression comes from trusting yourself. That's the number one thing that has to happen. You can't get to a point of self-expression, getting over self-pity, getting over that mindset of I'm not good enough, unless you can first trust yourself. And in order to first trust yourself, you must be able to recognize what's unique about you. Hey, I know the first thing people are going to say is like, well, there's nothing unique about me. Uh, I'll challenge you to that. I'll challenge you to sit down and really pay attention to the things that have been very recurrent in your life, even within your failures. There's something that's recurrent that you're good at. There's something that keeps coming out, but you've just not been able to pay attention to it.
1: You know, a a lot of this often comes back to the start. Right. And the world doesn't need you to be creative. It doesn't need, or at least on paper, it doesn't need you to be creative or self-expression. What it needs you to do is get a job in the consumer market and pay your bills and pardon me, but shut the fuck up and do what you're told to do and, and go about your business. But that's not what life is about, right? That's what consumer, uh, Consumerism is about the marketplace is about that. But at the same time, if we didn't have people who were creative, it would be a very dull and empty world that we live in. So you know it often comes back to that kind of homogenized. everybody's supposed to want the same things. The 2.5 kids, the two-car garage, items, things. But that's not what stimulates the soul. That's not the truth of the soul. The soul when you're a child isn't say, oh, my God, I need a great contract so I can make X, Y, Z and blah, blah. No, the soul is to that joyous expression and that fulfillment of it. But then it gets kind of, you know, uh, stunted as you develop because it's not encouraged necessarily in, in school or, or in the world as you develop. It's sort of pushed aside and it's something you have to really for to say no, I'm carving out this half hour, hour, two hours a day for me, and it's even a strange thing to say a half hour, hour for me. Well, it should be 24 hours, right? Because we're here <laughs> to express ourselves, to bring forward our abilities and our potentials.
0: You absolutely said it. You, you just unraveling the book <laughs> and, and 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 peeling back all the pages or swiping through the pages of the book you, you see as you said going from the beginning we're conditioned and socialized to really operate in the comfort of conformity that when we've conformed when we've gotten the job when we've gotten the contract the 2.5 kids that we've achieved it so we've allowed society to define and paint the picture of success for us and oftentimes we don't take time to really paint that picture of success now as i said earlier you have to learn to start trusting yourself and one of the number one ways to trust yourself is to get back in touch with your dreams just like what you said get back that childhood curiosity what did you, how did you envision life because that's still inside of you it's deep down inside of you, and that's why in the subtitle of my book I say, "Let your light shine," because that light is is always shining. There's no on and off switch. But what happens is that it's blocked and it's 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 shadowed. It, there's a shade put all, uh, around it because of expectations, trying to fulfill expectations, and not being energized by inspiration. And life is is about being fueled by inspiration. I often say that we're living in the reality, today's reality of yesterday's dreamers. The reality we have today is because someone dared to follow their dream yesterday. And that's what we have to do. We have to continuously follow our dream. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't need to work. (laughs) We don't need to, to pay the bills. But as you rightfully said, carving out a little bit of time, carving out some time specifically and saying, this is going to be my creative time. This is going to be my time to reflect on me, to reflect on my thoughts. Oftentimes, we don't do that. And let me tell you why. Going back to the beginning, think about when the third industrial revolution came on, you know, jobs were becoming, you know, homogeneous. You do this, you do that factory workers. And that's continued even, you know, it's starting to change now in the fourth industrial revolution, but you would do the same thing. So mundane, so exhausting, so tiring. That at the end of the day, the only thing you wanted to do is watch TV or read a newspaper. And in today's Context, all we want to do is Netflix or social media. And those are the vices that actually take away our energy from being creative, take away from energy from really bringing out that uniqueness inside of us. And it's a concept in psychology called decision fatigue. When I talk about this, I tell people that, you know, decision fatigue is that your brain, let's say you have 20 units of decision making in a day. You know, just every, every there's no unit like that. I'm just using it for illustration purposes. By the time You've ended your day with the mundane tasks. As much as it's the same thing over and over, you have consumed your mind with such meaningful, um, sorry, meaningless decisions. You're occupying your mind with such meaningless decisions that by the time you get to the end of the day, you've utilized all your twenty. 20 units of decision-making. So by the time you need to now decide, all right, let me not fall into the auto-response or the autopilot of just making decisions that will get me through the day. I need to intentionally, and as you said, use the strength and courage to decide I'm going to carve out this time because our brains love comfort. Our brains love autopilot. So it's going to continuously utilize the 20 decision-making units we have on the same thing over and over and over. And we have to be able to break from that habit. We need to be able to tear at the prison of the mind because our minds are just being prisoned and enshackled by the routine mundane things over and over.
1: You make a lot of great points. And I, and I want to read one thing from a, a gentleman um, by the name of Michael Singer. Um, he wrote the book called The Untethered Soul. And he was speaking mm-hmm. about the mind, what happens um, when we get trapped in the mind. And he said, the mind is a place where the soul goes to hide from the heart. Meaning... When you're in so much pain, your mind sort of takes over and you live from this paradigm of this negative beliefs or pain, or I can't do this because I'm in this pain, this belief system. Um, but the mind doesn't know what it's talking about most of the time. You le- learn a lot of these beliefs when you're a child and you hold on to them as if it's some God's truth when it isn't. When it's some interpretation of, of an event and you hold on to it for 40 years and you go, oh, my God, what have I done with my life? But this one interpretation. And so what? It's, it's like you, you bump your toe and then you say for 40 years, oh, I bumped my toe. But no, you don't. You just move on. You bump your toe. But when it's an emotional stuff, especially when you're uh, in, in the formative years, we hold on to these limiting beliefs that often crush the dreams It's the one thing, you know, no one else is saying all these negatives. It's this, this negative mind, which as the saying goes, if, if this person was this negative mind was a friend, it'd be the worst friend you've ever had.
0: (laughs) You need to defriend them. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) You don't listen. You stop listening. You avoid, you know, let it talk and you just keep doing your thing.
0: Yeah. You just let it talk and you keep doing. And i I love um the what the 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 notes that you just read michael because Singer. It really, yeah yeah michael singer's notes um it's it's really 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 true, and at a deeper level we all need to reflect upon it because we do that we 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 go into our minds to hide and as as I said earlier we need to allow that the energy and the power of our inspiration to be greater than the energy and power of, of expect of fulfilling expectations because expectations happen in the mind. We set some sort of expectation. If I do this, I'll, I'll do that. If I get good grades, I'll, I'll be um, accepted by my parents. If I get a good job, society will see me as someone valued
1: will reward me and I'll meet the conditions and people will not attack me and they will say, good job. But that's not fulfillment.
0: Absolutely yes you you you're operating from a, a from a point of fear you're operating from i want to do this to avoid that mm-hmm. instead of i need to do this because this is what i'm destined to do, or this is what i'm meant to do or this is what i feel that inspiration comes from the heart you know yeah. you you have that feeling you you get that this something that's just inside of you that's telling you let let's try it out right and sometimes it even defies logic and hey that's what creativity is about because creativity is about breaking from the reality breaking from what you currently see it takes someone that inspiration to say you know what i think human beings can fly i think we can create uh, some sort of invention that can allow us to fly you know across the land and across the seas that 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 can't be some kind of expectation that can it, it it never existed right But I'll challenge you on a deeper level. It's always existed. Because when you look at the birds, when you look at all the flying animals, the flying creatures, we can see aerodynamics. It took someone to observe. It took someone to slow down. It took someone to attach to some kind of inspiration. Hey, if that can happen there, why can't it happen here? And, you know, for now, it seems so obvious. Flying seems so obvious. But imagine when there were no airplanes, no helicopters, nothing at all. Someone saw that. And made a non-obvious connection. That's creativity. Like, okay, if the birds can can fly like that, they have wings. Uh, this is how the air works, etc., etc. Then why can't we translate that into this? And that's why we're all put here. We're all put here on this earth because we have something inside of us that needs to be translated into reality. And it behooves us to pursue that. It behooves us to blow the lid off. It, it's, it's, it's our responsibility to ourselves and to everyone that we live with the generations to come, all of humanity to bring whatever it is out, because it will benefit someone else.
1: I agree 100%. And, and, you know, by Wright brothers or whomever else, innovators, um, people say, no, that that can't happen. That doesn't exist. It never has existed. It never will exist. But they say, no, no, it will exist in here. Let me show you. Mm -hmm. And so by doing this, by being daring, and courageous, they change and shift reality. Right now, people it's just commonplace. Oh, hey, take an airplane somewhere. Um, but that's the fascinating thing, right? It is is allowing these dreams and acting upon these dreams or, or beliefs? And you know, quite often people and one of my favorite words I've, I've always used, and my wife makes fun of me sometimes, is dichotomous, right? Mutually exclusive. <laughs> And so when you have the brain saying no and the spirit saying yes, you have a real conflict and it can tear you up inside. And so the mind, what I've been learning is the mind needs to be dictated by the soul and by the heart rather than the soul and heart be dictated by the mind. Because the mind, once again, is just stuck in the parameters uh, of what it's experienced, the mind isn't the visionary part. It's that soul that's driving that visionary part. So what would you say to someone who's struggling with maybe a job or, or, or just feeling really stuck? What would what a few tips you might give to someone to, to maybe loosen up that creativity and loosen up that hold, that stronghold that that mind, uh, mind prison has on them?
0: That's, and I can tell you, it's a very real situation where many people have insomnia. And when I mentioned dreams, some people were like, I can't dream. I, when I, whenever I go to sleep, I have nightmares. And that's real. I I understand that because you're, you're such enough, this prison in your mind, because those, you keep ruminating on thoughts and ruminating on thoughts. What you need to do is stop. You literally just need to stop. How do you stop? It comes from And I don't want to just say willpower. You have to stop it by doing something different because whatever you're doing is leading you or creating those actions. Many times we need to get rid of the routines that we have because you see the routines, even if they're not harmful or, you know, you can have a routine that's not necessarily destructive to you, but it's fostering a destructive action or thought. Let me use an example. For example, maybe you eat dinner at 10 p.m. You eat your dinner at 10 p.m. Now, um, I don't want to say that's too destructive, but because you've maybe in your mind, you've associated eating late because you have been procrastinating over eating or you're worried about eating the wrong type of calories and so on. So whenever you do that, your brain is just like, all right, we got to go back into this cycle. We got to keep ruminating. We got to keep ruminating. So first thing is to just put a stop to it and you got to put a stop to it by changing your routine number two you got to start something new you definitely have to start something new get a new routine going, try something different because your brain will continuously, your mind will continuously put you in that cycle, in that cycle of prison, because that's all it knows. It's not being exposed to anything different. It's not trying anything. And the moment you want to try something different, you procrastinate. And when you procrastinate, it fuels your mind to say, I told you, that's not for us. Stay here, man. It's like you have a, it, your mind has a rope on you whenever you just try to leave the house, it pulls you back in, it pulls you back in, it pulls you back in. You got to start it. I I, So many people who I coach, I ask, all right, so you're stuck in your career, right? What do you think you need to do? I need to improve my skills. All right, so why haven't you started improving your skills? Ah, well, I don't have money to start a course. I don't have whatever. I said, you know what? That's just excuses. That's procrastination being manifested in excuses. We live in a digital age right now. You can start learning something even on YouTube. But, you know, we always want to learn, oh, let me find the best course. And we type in, best course to learn, whatever skill, public speaking, who's the best public speaker, top 10 skills to be a better public speaker. What you need to do is just start public speaking and you can start public speaking in the mirror, in the bathroom, because oftentimes we don't even speak to ourselves vocally. We don't speak to ourselves. And, and, and neuroscientists tells us at a at, at certain level, our minds do not realize, don't, don't know the difference between when we're speaking to someone else and when we're speaking to ourselves. So people think that when you speak to yourself in the mirror, you're not public speaking. And I'm telling you, as a public speaker, uh, I think I'm a good public speaker. I've gotten some awards around it. That when you speak to yourself in the mirror vocally, when you practice that speaking, you are actually making the steps towards public speaking. And I I just wanted to make it so simple. I want you to realize that it's so simple. You just got to start doing so. Two things to summarize that is stop whatever routines you have going on right now. Change it up. Now, it doesn't mean that you're changing it up because necessarily it's bad or it's good. You're just changing it up for the sake of regenerating some new connections in your mind, new associations in your life, because that will wake you up and help you to start recognizing better opportunities. And then two, start something new. Start... Make that action. Stop procrastinating. Start whatever it is that you need to do right now.
1: Yeah, the, these are these are excellent points. I mean, you know, it's the routines, the beliefs that keep us repeating ourselves. Uh, and what's what's the saying? Um, insanity is uh, doing the same thing, you know, uh, over and over again, expecting over a different over and expecting outcome,
0: different results. Well, well.
1: Of course, right? Yeah. But you know, it's it's when we're laying in bed, it, it's not the self that's generating this, the mind chatter. It's the psyche, the ego saying blah, 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 uh, fear trying to control. Um, but obviously you can't control all these outcomes. And again, once again, if we really identified with what the mind is saying, and then looking at the outcomes, it's wrong. Most of the time, how someone's going to respond or react or why something happened one way or the other. And so that's a, a key component is letting go of, of that control because we don't control it. Fear you know, is, is trying to control it. But also why people I think often remain stuck is because they're afraid of leaving the safe space. Even though the safe space is pain, the pain doesn't disappoint. It keeps them where they are. They're, they're in that comfort zone enough There hasn't been enough to force them out of it because it pays the bills. It's, you know, they're identified with whatever. Um, And so we really do have to reach those points of, okay, it is a necessity to change whatever. Um,
0: Yeah. And, you know, it actually costs your body more energy to do the same thing over and over mm -hmm. than it is to try something new.
1: Yep. It's remarkable.
0: That's it. It it takes a lot more energy for your body to do, and that's why when you keep doing the routines, you're you're tired, you're fatigued. So I tell people when you're stuck, right, you're not just stuck um, intellectually, you're not just stuck emotionally, you're stuck energetically you're stuck yep. energetically and that's why doing something new sparks that new energy. I I like exercise and I like going to the gym and my trainer always tells me that we got to change the the workout. We got to shock the muscle. We got to recruit new muscle fibers and the only how we can do that is that we got to change the workout. We either increase the weights change the angle sorry we got to do something different to remind the muscle that we should never get to that point where we're totally comfortable right it's good to master something to get better at it and practice definitely makes perfect in my opinion but you also got to keep changing it up and and here's a bonus tip here's a bonus tip you see when someone says look i can't do it that's just procrastination it just goes back to procrastination my bonus tip is you want to get unstuck. Find a place and an avenue where you can serve someone. I didn't say start a business. I just say serve someone.
1: Yeah.
0: Go on social media, if you're always on social media, and intentionally look for someone who you think you can provide advice. I'm not saying try to be a Dr. Phil. I'm not saying try and say solve their problems. But even just being there and say, hey, I've noticed your posts in the last two days, You've really been going through something because you lost your mom. I just want to let you know, you know, I don't understand it, but hey, I I appreciate you posting this and everything. And this is what it means, ETC. You know, I just let the conversations grow organically, right? When you put yourself out there to serve, that's one of the best ways for you to identify what's unique about you. Oftentimes, we become so selfish that I'm stuck. I need someone to come save me, right? It's that savior's... um dilemma that you want someone to save you You, when you do that you are delegating the responsibility you are delegating the accountability you're delegating the action to an external party and when you do that you'll forever remain stuck because no matter what that external force does it's never going to move you right the force from internal is what's going to move you you got to step out you got to reach out go and serve someone that's how I did it that's how I became a public speaker I, it was so crazy I didn't even notice what I was doing me an accountant I started presenting the financials at the board meetings and everything but I did it in a very unique manner because it was even boring for me you know just saying the numbers over and over so I started telling a story with the numbers I'll go into the boardroom and I'll put the story and build characters around it and then tell a story of course the first few times people looked at me like who is this nut but <laughs> it got my point across and it helped me to stand out
1: No, that's uh, absolutely, uh, I believe that as well. I mean, it's so easy to just say, me, 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 I need this, I need that, someone come save me. No one's going to save you. The universe will meet you halfway, but it's not going to come knock at your door and say, oh, you need X, Y, Z, here you go. No, no, you have to find that that willpower
0: sometimes it does that you know sometimes it does that but we are so stuck we're so blinded with we have blinders on that we don't even see it because when when we do that I, I, i'm sorry for jumping in here because okay. this one just came to me so strong when we do that we do that because we're expecting the packaging we're already trying to dis- describe the packaging whenever i get a problem whenever I, I i i first sit down when something goes wrong and i see what's really going on here what's the story? Am I seeing this as a problem because I've just come from a space where I was probably having a fight with my my family member or my partner or someone like that? Because oftentimes we transfer energy. We transfer energy from one situation to the next. So you come home. Maybe you live with someone or um, well, we're working from home mainly now, but you've come off long meeting of work and you've, you've seen an email from your boss that you've, you've interpreted it and, and the, your perception of it is that he's calling you out or she's calling you out or whoever is calling you out. And then when someone says, hey, uh, Doug, what about that podcast idea that you had? And then you become defensive. Right? You become this it's like, why are you asking me about that? What about you? You you start, you, said you start. said you started a project and you never started it. But you've not realized that, that 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 universe is trying to, you know, whatever you want to call the force, is trying to signal you to get going, to get yourself up. But you just keep resisting it and fighting it because you're seeing as if it's an attack on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we often look, obviously, for external sources to solve or internal problems uh, when it's the other way around you know, you solve the internal and then the external can change. But um, all right, so let's let's move on a little bit here. So I see in your, your bio that you like to to work on or help people with life work balance instead of work life balance, which is obviously a huge, huge issue. I mean, we're, we're all struggling with with overwhelm. We're all struggling with you know, even though 24 hours in the day, too much of it goes to busyness. Uh, I think a lot of our plates just feel full and overwhelming and exhausted because of that. And it might be the design of the world, you know, whatever it might be, but uh, there are also different realities that we can live. Um, You know, we could sell our house and cut down our working hours because then you don't need as much money and get an RV. And, you know, there are alternative realities, but what would you say in general to that sort of work a day, you know, hours uh, for dollars uh, reality.
0: It goes back to the vicious reward cycle. Many people, one of my signature talks, especially since the pandemic started, was ditch the overwhelm. And many people, every time I speak to people, about 90 to 100% of people, when I really genuinely check in with them, I say, hey, how are you doing? in a corporate space, in a social space, in, in even just my neighbors. And I really asked them, how are you really doing? And they're like, look, I'm overwhelmed right now. You know, I have the, the, the kids at home. Or I have this, I have work. There's just so many things, you know, and even some like very senior respected people that I look up to. I was speaking to one of, him, one of them the other day and he was like, look, I just have too many emails and I'm worrying that I might be missing out on something important, right? So we all are dealing with some sense of overwhelm because of one, the reality in which we live in right now. And number two, as you said, you know, as, as I said, the, that vicious reward cycle, we need to prove that we're doing work. And I read something, I think a few days ago that said, look, rest is not a reward to be earned. It's a right to be exercised. Yep. I mean, I, I paraphrased in a bit, right? We think that we can't rest until we finish the project. We can't rest until I've read all my emails we can't rest. And rest doesn't just mean sleeping. Rest means taking a break. And Because we're working from home right now, we are working throughout the night. We're working nonstop because your desk is right there. It's the same place. You have to be able to get up. And just those two tips that I said earlier, stop what you're doing, the routines that you've gotten yourself into and start something new. Go for a walk. What I do, what I started doing is going for a walk at 11 a.m. and at 5 p.m. Right Every day, I, I stop. I get up off of my desk and I stop. The challenge that we have is that many of us are so hung up on perception we're so hung up on perception that if I don't finish all of this work people will think I'm not working and yes I I totally understand there's some working situations where there's a lot of pressure coming down there's a lot of pressure coming down so you you continuously push you continuously push but as you continuously push your energy is is diminishing the returns are diminishing they're decreasing and so your output is getting less and less And you get into that vicious cycle of working longer, but producing less, working longer and producing uh, less. And the remedy to that is just to ditch the overwhelm by resting, by stopping. The last thing I'll say on that is that you need to cut yourself some slack. It's okay to have unfinished work. Whoa, I'm saying that and I'm an employer. (laughs) I hope no one in my team is listening to that. But I tell them this all the time. There's several times I call my team and I said, stop doing what you're doing right now. I don't care what you're working on. Close the laptop. And I want evidence that you've closed the laptop, you've closed whatever. It's okay to have unfinished work. What's not okay is to have unfinished work, not recognize when you are being inefficient and make adjustments. Because sometimes we become inefficient, we become distracted, um, we get a notification on our phone, and we really we need to be honest with ourselves, right? We need to be honest with ourselves. Is the work incomplete because I just didn't put out my best? Or is it incomplete because I don't have the right tools or I need support? Because when you get that recognition, when you get that awareness, then you can make the corrective steps. And that's why I love creativity, because you're able to assess like, wait, actually there's some way better to do this. There's another way to do this task. I actually need to get some help. The one thing that I always tell my team is that always do your work in a manner that you can be assisted. Because I tell them a lot of times, if I were to hire more staff right now, how would they help you? Because if you're not properly documenting your work, if you're not reporting properly, then, then someone else can't come in and help you. So we do that a lot. And that's the self-sabotage. We work, we work, and we want to hold on because We feel, you know, and we've gotten this from society that asking for help is weakness, you know, raising our hand and say, hey, I just don't get this. Hey, I need some support. Hey, guys, look, today is is just it's just not a good day for me. Please, can you can you give me a little bit of time? You know, we we penalized at times for doing that. And it's a culture we need to change when someone raises their hand and say, hey, look, I'm just I'm just not getting it right. We need to pay attention to that. So that's, that's, that's what the, the life-work balance comes in because I believe life comes first, right? And then work should give meaning to life. I don't care even if you're a truck driver, if you're a grocery packer, packer whatever you're doing, right? You need to do it and bring out yourself into it. Now, I'm, I'm not saying to cause friction <laughs> in your job, but you need to find a way to make your work work. Enjoyable. Find a way to make your work exciting. You don't have to try and show off. You don't need to try and go for awards in the office. What you need to do is just be yourself. If you're going to pack stuff, find a way to pack things on the shelf that helps to bring out your uniqueness. Of course, you have um, protocols to follow, right? So you may you may think you don't have um, room for deviation, but let me tell you where you have room for deviation is in dealing with other people because your job description doesn't say you have to speak to someone. But as you speak to someone, you speak to the cashier or someone, or you observe people who shop, you'll realize, hey, you can raise your hand and say, hey, boss, I've realized um, people tend to come for this and the people who tend to come for this item, this is their average height. Can we maybe just look into that and and, and give it to someone else to check? Maybe, maybe we're positioning it wrongly, but that takes a risk. That, that's a risk. That's a risk. And a lot of people are like, yo, that's not my job. That's not my job.
1: Right. Again, that goes back to a lot of people kind of just going through the motion uh, of the day, even though it's not something they necessarily want to be doing, they're doing, again, to kind of meet those uh, necessary uh, requirements of bills and all all the rest. But, you know, to get back to what you're saying, I mean, it's so imperative to take time for oneself, right? To go get some fresh air for 15 minutes, to go stretch the legs, move the body, pump the blood. Um, Because, you know, I think that the the world, or at least, my experience, what I'm seeing, uh, is the world is transforming a bit. I, I think people are becoming more aware of, um, that creative side or that, um, the way to treat the individual. Cause, uh, you know, the, the, the world should be about enhancing the individual, right? Not, not, um, not suppressing it. Um, and I think there are little, little breaks in the old armor, Um, indicating that but at the same time you know plenty of companies are still about the bottom line they might say work-life balance but they do nothing about it Um, you know they say oh you should pay attention to that yeah okay (laughs) sure I should and I will but clearly you're not building it into the schedule or into um, the job description but uh, you know in the doug let me even let
0: me just even What's that? I just wanted to give you, I wanted to give an example on that because you mentioned something earlier about decisions. Now I was in a very good corporate job and this company was voted, you know, top employer. Uh, They had a work life. They had a flexi. You had one day a week where you could work off premise. This was like two, three years ago. Um, And and, on policy and on paper, everything was looking good. I would work away from the office um, some days just to change the energy, to change my focus and concentration. And my, my boss would constantly hit me up on, on email, on phone. Where are you? Why are you not at your desk? I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm working. I was actually working at another office location that's closer to my home because we had multiple outlets. And I was like, I just came here so that, you know, the interruptions in the office are too many when I'm there. Sometimes I don't get to, you know, deliver. And his concern, I mean, he was an old school guy. You know, he was near retirement. And his concern was constantly why you're not at your desk um i can't prove that you're doing your work i was like but you you don't need to see me it doesn't prove that. Right. micromanager he
1: wants to control everything. yeah
0: so he wants to control everything i went to the, the human resource and i said listen this is this is not a healthy working environment um and they were like well you need to find a way to work it out with your boss i'm like so why did you exist you know i, I literally asked the human resource lady that i was like so why do you exist if you're not going to come and inter- intervene here when this is something we have on a the policy then yeah. then you know and and, and I got to a point where I was getting sick. I got overweight. I couldn't sleep. My wife was telling me I kept having nightmares. I'll be arguing at night. And I made a decision. I made a decision. I told my family, listen, this this, this is not helpful for my life. If this is what I got to do to pay the bills, um, sorry, I'm going to find another way to pay bills. And we got to reduce the bills. And yeah. I put my family on notice. I, I gave them a six-month notice. I'm like, guys, we're going to have to adjust our living because I am not doing this anymore for the rest of my life. I'm done. Uh, But I promise you, I'll figure something out. I'll figure something out. And if I don't figure it out by a certain date, then I'll have a backup plan in place. And I did that. And so I, I, I stayed home for one entire year. Good thing is I'm an accountant, so I plan my finances very well. And I stayed home for an entire year, but I didn't stay home in wallowing misery. I took one month off just to let go of that. And that led me to start my first business, which is what I've been running for the last five years, which evolved into me writing this book, which evolved into me becoming a speaker, which yeah. it, it just evolved into so many different things. And it it liberated me. So it, I just wanted to in- inject that so the listeners can know that I'm speaking from a point of experience where sometimes you got to make that hard decision. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's where that self is. That's where that inspiration is. Uh, and you were rewarded because of that, you know, the, the, those doors, so to speak, now you worked hard to do it, but those doors open up, those doors would never have opened up, if you just stayed in that job, stressed out in misery, you would have just been, again, repeating yourself day after day, the same stress, the same frustrations. So good for you, um, for, for being able to do that, and, and taking those bold steps. Um, so what else do we have Robert anything else uh, we want to touch base upon
0: Yes um, I just want to touch base on you know this construct called the comfort zone right uh, I really just want to help us to yeah. understand issue, right? the comfort zone Yeah it's a it's a very serious issue and a lot of us think that or oh, I don't really have a comfort zone and um, because we misunderstand what you know what comfort zone is you know if you look up the definition of comfort zone is a behavioral state of mind right? That seeks to use minimal brain energy, you know, minimal decision, not being, you're not being moved. You're not being put to work, right? Just to achieve minimal results. That's what a comfort zone is. You're trying to just achieve minimal results with minimum input, right? So you're shortchanging yourself. That's what a comfort zone is. You're shortchanging yourself. Even if you're a high flyer, you're a director, you're vice president, your company, you can still be in a comfort zone and shortchange yourself because you could be suppressing suppressing parts of you you could be suppressing your creativity you know you can do so much more you know you can achieve so much more But we continuously suppress ourselves and that's the danger the toxicity of a comfort zone because it gives us the false impression that we're actually getting things done and we are right but in comparison because no one else knows (laughs) what's going on inside of us no one else knows i mean if you're working with a coach yes that that's good and i love coaching because i can extract things from my coaches to help them to see it. And and they just burst through out of that. Right. But the the comfort zone is is the toxicity of the comfort zone is that it's this false positive, right. That you're doing well because you're trying to meet expectations and you're suppressing inspiration. And I I always say that to do that and to break that cycle is that you got to detach yourself from expectations and attach yourself to inspiration. You really got to attach yourself to that heart. What's going on inside here. And when you touch, when you get in touch with your inspiration, it can be messy at times. There could be some scars. There could be some trauma that's there, right? Um, but Dr. Brené Brown, vulnerability researcher, says that when she interviewed uh, people around their shame and, and you know shame wounds and vulnerability wounds, right, eighty-five percent of them can relate that to an experience that happened in elementary school, right? And half of those people, out of the eighty-five percent of people who can trace it back to elementary school, half of those people said that that trauma and that vulnerability wound, their first encounter was around creativity, was probably a drawing, was probably, you yep. know, what do you think kind of question, right? And that stuck with them. And that's that the inspiration for them died. Inspiration for oh, them died agree, at that so when you Many did,
1: things had... happened to me as well from uh, that. I was trying to express myself in, in ways that was not conventional necessarily. And it was, Shut down time and time again uh, as a child, um, but I lo- love Brene Brown and also you know what what she says about vulnerability. You can't be courageous without vulnerability because there's nothing at risk. But regarding the comfort zone, yeah, I my mean, comfort zone is once again just a certainty of I know what to expect when I take such and such actions. Well, again, nothing is going to change, good or bad or indifferent. If you remain in that
0: comfort zone. Absolutely. Nothing will ever change. And my last point on that, Doug, is that we all just need to be very self-aware as to what's going on in our comfort zone. I'll give you a very typical manifestation of the comfort zone that I use whenever I give my speeches and talks and workshops. I usually just give an exercise and I ask people, Oh, how many of us are in the room? You know how many? Just some a simple mathematical question. You know, very curveball. No one expects it coming, and I can guarantee you. Every time I do workshops, every time I do seminars, or I speak, someone and I put someone on the spot. You can see the nervousness. You can see the shaking. And I ask, "What's going on with you? Right? What's going on with you?" He said, "Look, I'm just not good at math. I didn't pass. Good in math." And I asked asked them, so when is the last time you did a math test? Oh, when I was in in, in high school or maybe, you know, college. How long ago was that? 15 years, 20 years ago. So I, I asked them, I threw the question back at them. I was like, so in the last 15 or 20 years, since you did that last math test, you're trying to tell me that you have never, ever improved your math skill till this point in your life. And you're telling me by that statement that you will never, ever improve your math skill because that test score said you didn't do well and that test score has branded you for the rest of your life. And every time I say that tears come down people's eyes because it's like, that's what we do. That's the toxicity of the comfort zone because something happened, we we can't take any action. You can change that and I tell people stop that. Don't ever say that in my seminars that you were not good in math. Today is a different day. You can get better at math. You, I'm getting good at math doesn't mean that you can calculate things in your head. And I keep telling people, stop that, right? Stop putting pressure on yourself like that. It doesn't mean that if I ask you, what's 200 times 473, you're going to come up with some sort of, you know, answer quickly like that. It doesn't mean that way. You need to know your work process, all right? If it means writing it down on a piece of paper, you got to write it down. If it means punching it in the calculator, you punch it in the calculator. But math is not just memorizing things in your head. And that is what I mean by the toxicity of the comfort zone.
1: Yeah. And, you know, often these events, traumatic events, you know, get stuck, right. They become overwhelming to us at the time. And that's why they get stuck in our heads and our hearts and we don't move past them, but we have to move past them. We have to allow them to move through so we can recover ourselves and move forward. But, uh, so Robert, this has been, uh, really nice speaking with you. It's been a really inspiring and interesting conversation, and you know, so infrequently do you get to speak with people on a deeper level. Most of it's a lot more surface, um, but this is where the the good stuff is, if you will.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is where the good stuff is because, uh, you know, we can get definitely get deep and and I really love coaching. Uh, I I see the transformation that happen um in people and also just the vulnerability when someone starts out and we start sessions. You can just see the fear that's going on, the anxiety, the vulnerability, and just working through that. Just yeah. that transformative power, you know, just blows the lid off, and I, I love that.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well. This has been a great conversation, so I guess we'll wrap it up here. And again, check out Robert Bell, um, transformational speaker and author, and his book is called Blow the Lid Off. I think we've done that today.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, uh, Doug. I think we've definitely done that. I've enjoyed this conversation. Very good sort of fireside chat. Um, I wish there were more people here we could have had question and answer. This, This could have been a very live, a good live session. Um, But people can still ask questions, reach out on social media. Um, You know, you can get in contact with me through my website, www.robertabell.com. And it's the same across social media networks, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, whatsoever. So, yeah, happy to hear from you on what stood out from you. And thank you, Doug, for this conversation. And I've enjoyed this time in the den.
1: Thank you, Sarah. And you have a great day. Okay, Robert.
0: All right. You too.
1: You are. Bye-bye.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Douglas Robbins Show. To find out more about Douglas and his books, check out douglasrobbinsauthor.com.